I'm Alex Bloomberg, and you're listening to Startup, the podcast miniseries documenting the launching of my podcast company. Meta, I know. It's the business origin story you never actually hear, set down before the facts can fade into this is the garage where it all started mythology. The most honest and transparent account I can make about something that happens every day in this country, but we hardly ever see firsthand, starting a business. You're listening to episode two. If you didn't hear episode one, you can start from the beginning by listening to that one first. And just to recap, previously in episode one, I went out to pitch my business idea, a network of podcasts focusing on narrative journalism and storytelling, to Silicon Valley investor kingpin Chris Saka. The pitch did not go well. You got to tighten up your story. So the, we'll start again. Yeah. So you've now kind of standard. Right. If I were calling an Uber right now and it said it's going to be here in two minutes, and that was all the time you had. Uh-huh. What are you doing? So I'm making a network of digital podcasts uh, that we will monitor. That that will that will that is going to meet. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Not surprisingly, did not say yes, but he did not say no either. He said, "Go back home, hone your pitch, and the next time you're out in California, you can pitch my partner, Matt Mazio. If you can convince him," said Chris, "I could see us investing." All right, let me just focus. All right, hi. Chit chat, chit chat, chit chat. Um, this is the sound so, of me following Chris Saka's advice, practicing my pitch, honing it, getting ready to go back out to California and make it to Chris's partner, Matt Mazio. This is the fourth time I've gone through the pitch today, I'm trying to get it perfect, committed to memory. Playing the role of Matt Mazio are my wife, Nazanin. Do you want me to time you when you're pitching? Yeah, that'd be good. Okay. And my friend, Josh. Is that working? That's pretty good. Um, so then I would say, um, you know, I know that Chris talked to you a little bit about w- what I'm up to, but I'll just give you a quick bit of background about myself. I've spent the last week or so gathering advice on how to make my pitch better. I've focused it, put in a personal story at the beginning to establish rapport, and I've made the opportunity seem bigger. As a friend told me, no one wants to hear about Odysseus going to the corner store. Investors are like everyone else. They want to be part of something large. So I've added some impressive-sounding numbers. It's 240 million radio listeners. They listen for an average of 12 to 13 hours a week. And they're inevitably going to transition to digital on-demand listening. And also, I'd given my company a name. I'm calling it the American Podcasting Corporation, and what we are going to do is we are going to create, connect audiences to digital programming that they, that they want to listen to. Reaction so far? I liked I liked that. Is that working? Yeah. I feel like at some point you should have like the dramatic pause where you're sort of like American Podcasting Corporation is about such and such. Whatever that is. This is a great note. Every successful pitch has this, the dramatic unveiling, where you've laid out the problem, given a glimpse of the opportunity, and voila, here's the solution. The American Podcasting Corporation tagline. We start brainstorming possibilities. Okay, so let me try out some lines for you. American Podcasting Corporation is about connecting large, passionate audiences of listeners with the stuff they want to hear. I like the first part. I don't know about the stuff they want to hear. (laughs) With programming they want to hear. With the best programming there is to listen to. The best program to which there is to listen. (laughs) 
I think connecting listeners with uh, <laughs> with the well, yeah, with what they want to hear. With what listeners yeah, want yeah. To hear. yeah, connecting large, passionate. connecting listeners large, passionate audiences with what they want to hear. Yeah, with the shows they want to hear, with what they want to hear. What they want to hear. All right, and with that, the finishing touch has been put on the pitch. The American Podcasting Corporation, APC, connecting large, passionate audiences with what they want to hear. And as we finish up this last run-through of the day, I feel good. This is the kind of situation where every word matters, and I have thought about every word. It's been a little over a month since my disastrous pitch to Chris Saka. I'm getting on a plane tomorrow to head out to L.A. And this is something you don't get often in life, a chance for a do-over. Especially when the stakes are so high. My entire company rides on my ability to convince someone besides my wife and friends that this is a good idea. And for the first time, I actually feel prepared. We'll get to the do-over in a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors. I'm sitting in the lobby of the Montage Hotel, Lobby Bar. It's in the middle of Beverly Hills, and in fact, there's an episode of Entourage shooting out front. Matt Mazio, apparently like his partner Chris, prefers hearing pitches out in the world rather than in an office conference room somewhere. He's instructed me to meet him here in this hotel lobby. There's comfy couches, a fake fireplace, travelers having coffee and light lunches all around us. When I was out here the last time, I pitched Chris during a walk we took next to a busy street in L.A. Having to walk and pitch without referring to the PowerPoint presentation on my laptop threw me off my game. This time, though, I'm ready. I'm off book. My pitch is fully committed to memory. Matt arrives, and yes, as per script, we chit-chat a bit. But we were lucky. We took advantage of, you know, the heat of that moment. Matt tells me that before teaming up with Chris, he'd worked at a big talent agency in Hollywood called CAA. There, he'd helped run what was essentially an in-house venture fund. The idea was to team up with various Hollywood talent and launch businesses with them. Matt's fund would bankroll some of it. They'd find other investors as well, and they'd work with the stars to develop a business plan. Best-known thing Matt helped launch? The website Funny or Die. Matt teamed up with Will Ferrell. Will was a client of ours. And Adam McKay, the director of a bunch of Ferrell's movies like Anchorman and Talladega Nights, to launch Funny or Die. It burst on the scene with a video you probably saw called The Landlord. It's my landlord, Pearl. In the video, Will Ferrell is a behind-on-his-rent deadbeat who gets a visit from his landlord, Pearl. But when Ferrell opens the door, we see that Pearl is actually Adam McKay's two-year-old daughter, Pearl, playing the role somehow adorably of an abusive alcoholic landlord. Hi, Pearl. You don't have to raise your voice. You pay you! I can give you half. You pay a little bit. When the landlord first came out, like oh. was that like did that just like shoot it? What what was the before and after of that? Oh, it was so for the first year, two years, it still may even be the case, that was the most watched video on the site. And it was just this explosive moment. So if you enjoyed the landlord, Matt Mazio was behind that. And things are going well so far. He's sharing these honest insider stories. We're laughing a bit. The chit-chat phase is complete. I'm going to dive right in. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So, um, I know very little, so okay, uh, intentionally so. so. So so, I'll just give you a little bit, just a quick bio about what I've done. I've, I've, I give the spiel. This American Life, Planet Money, I hit my personal story, I go big, take us past the corner store. So if you think of terrestrial radio in general it's like 240 million listeners you know and it's all shifting to digital i mean you and then onto the big reveal that's my company uh the american podcasting corporation apc is what i'm calling it uh 
And, you know, our mission is to create, to connect large, passionate audiences with what they want to listen to. Okay, didn't nail it, but still, I'm feeling good. When Matt lobs a question my way, unlike before with Chris Saka, I'm ready with an answer. Within the first, I don't know, eight to 12 months, we can get, we can get audiences the size where we can, we can be at break even through ad, ad revenue alone, I'm pretty sure. Where do you put that at? And what do I put break even at? No, uh, what do you put audience size to get to break even? Uh, 300 to 500,000, I would say for all three across the, across, you so know, I feel like getting about 100, 150. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm doing so well, I've almost entirely blocked out the part of my brain that's skeptical of almost every single claim I'm making in my pitch. For example, I'm claiming my company is going to launch three new shows in the first year, and then three more in the year after that. And I'm saying that these shows are going to come out of the gate with hundreds of thousands of listeners per episode, which is a lot. Very few podcasts have that size audience. But I'm also claiming those audiences are going to get even bigger, as big as the biggest podcasts out there right now, with over a million listeners per episode. The skeptical part of my brain knows that in the last decade and a half, I've helped create exactly two successful podcasts with large audiences. But according to my pitch, over the next two years, I'm going to launch six more. Six more This American Life's and Planet Money's in two years. I'm saying I'm going to do it. At the same time, I'm probably the only person in the world who understands exactly how hard that is. But that is what I'm saying in this pitch, and I've convinced myself of it in order to convince people like Matt Mazio. I get to the end, and questions that a month ago would have been almost impossible for me to utter without several minutes of stammered qualifiers and apologies for being so forward, they now emerge from my lips with a boldness that listening back to the tape, I can't quite believe. So at this point, yeah. are you guys in or out? <laughs> uh, it's a great question. Uh, I'm definitely going to spend more time with you. Normally I would say... Uh, if I, if I wasn't interested, I'd give you three reasons why. And, and, um, but I can tell you this one is interesting enough to me because I don't think there's many people with your pedigree uh, willing to take a leap into entrepreneurship and who have the opportunity and the, the access to build brands as quickly and as effectively as you. And I think you've proven that you have an eye for content, which is, in my mind, really, really hard today. And so this fits, a bunch of, this fits into a bunch of things that we look for in a business, which is... You know, is this entrepreneur audacious and also probably the best at what they're going to go out and build? Yes. Um, and so, worthy of spending more time. It sounded like you were saying worthy of investing. What, what, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the, you were talking me into like investing. What's the, what's the more time? What more time do you need? I think there, there are questions here that I, that, um, that it's also important for you to take a beat after this and uh, assess. Matt lays out what those questions are. First, he has questions about my audience numbers. Not the questions I would expect, though. The questions that the skeptical part of my brain would ask. Questions along the line of, how in the world are you going to pull that off? His audience question is actually sort of the opposite. Even the audience sizes that you're getting to, in my mind, I think you can build an even larger audience. All right, that was a little bracing. Larger than the biggest podcast in existence right now. But I guess if your frame of reference is The Landlord with its 80 million views, I can see how podcast audiences, even big ones, might not be that impressive. But that's not the biggest question Matt has. There's another deeper question, which really throws me for a loop. Because it's not about something that's in my pitch. It's about something that's missing from my pitch that Matt thinks should be in there. Technology. There's not a lot of innovation here in terms of 
technology that you're going out and, and executing against. I feel like you've made an assumption that, that podcasting is the best platform for these incredible shows that you're creating. And I'm not convinced that if you went out and did it through an app-based ecosystem, that it might not be more successful. Here's what he's talking about. So consider how you're listening to my words right now, the words that you're hearing right now. Probably you downloaded this podcast onto your phone using the iTunes podcasting app or some other app. Maybe you're streaming it through the website or you're listening on an aggregator site like Stitcher. But what if you wanted to tweet this moment right here, this moment I'm saying, what if you wanted to tweet it out to your friends, like as a little audio file? You can't. What if you wanted to find out which of your friends is listening to this podcast right now or has listened to it in the last two days and send them a message about it right now from your phone? You can't. What if you wanted to follow famous people and find out what podcasts they listen to? You can't. What if I wanted to say, hey, pull out your phones right now and I'll show you a picture of what a better podcasting app would look like? I can't. In other words, podcasts are still the same old MP3s they've always been. And by always, I mean since the Dark Ages in 2004, when according to Wikipedia, the word podcast appeared for the first time in history. Matt says, you're missing the truly big opportunity here to make your own app, to take podcasting out of the Dark Ages, reinvent the way we listen. Podcasting is frankly a technology that has this really core audience on it that just love it that hasn't broken out into the broader mainstream. Most people aren't podcast listeners. And there are a whole bunch of things that are broken there uh, that you have an opportunity to fix. In other words, the way I interpret what he's saying, he wants us to become the Instagram of audio. And this is a point in the investor conversation that I never even got to with Matt's partner, Chris, because the pitch was so bad. But this time, I've actually succeeded in laying out a vision for the business. Matt has understood the vision and is saying, essentially, I love it, but change it. In fact, change the name while you're at it. I don't love the name. I don't love the name. I think, I think you, what, what may end up happening is you might end up limiting yourself uh, from people who are like, oh, I don't want to do a podcast, but I want to do really cool shows. Like, I want to do audio shows and just like... All right, let me tell you what I was going for. And obviously, this is when, if you have to explain your name, it's like explaining a joke. <laughs> it doesn't work. But anyway, but like, it was, I, I, to me, there's like this funny sort of callback to this old, to the old media times when like it was ABC and CBS, you know what I mean? APC. No, I get it. (laughs) Uh, But I would, I'm not convinced. I would spend some time jamming on that name. Fixing all these problems, building the Instagram of audio is probably a great idea. It's just a totally different business than the one I'm pitching. Along with hiring great storytellers to put together great podcasts, we would also need to hire a bunch of engineers and tech people. We'd be essentially building a platform as well as creating content. We'd probably need to raise a lot more money. Essentially, I'd go from being the podcast company that I was pitching to a tech company, which Matt thinks I should be. Hello. Hi. 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 Later, back in my hotel, I call my wife Nazanin to debrief. You're on speaker. How are you? I'm recording. Oh, how are you feeling? I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling the same shitty way I felt the last time I was out here. Nazneen asks me what happened in the meeting, and I tell her. She says, it sounds like a good meeting. I know, I say, but I'm still unsettled. I can't totally figure out why. It just makes me feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Like, like they see a whole different world for me, you know, than I see for my... Articulate, articulate what that world is. Yeah, yeah. It's like a world where you you're you're rolling out your you're rolling out the programs and you're building 
you're building a technology platform along with that and you're like I don't know it's like yeah yeah why does that make you upset that they're saying that I don't know I mean you don't need to be a technology company if you don't want to be like you're talking to tech guys about giving you money so right but it makes sense that they would see it this way I know but I think but I think that they're right I think but if it if it didn't feel true, I don't think I would feel as depressed. Yeah. You know what it all is? You know what it is? I, I know what it is. This is this is the thing. I'm sitting there talking to the, to 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 this guy, and I'm describing something that feels like the biggest thing I've ever done, like a a, a scale beyond my wildest imaginings. Something that I can't even tell if I could pull off. And it's totally not big enough. Like it seems small to him. I gave the best pitch I could give, the biggest dream I could dream. And the answer was still, yeah, but how does it scale? There was a point in the interview where Matt asked me, okay, so a couple years from now, you've got a big marketing department, a huge sales force. How are you going to expand your listener base? Not only could I not answer the question, I really couldn't accept the premise. I'm going to have a huge sales force, a big marketing budget, really? It's not that I'm opposed, it just hadn't occurred to me, and it's hard to believe that it could happen. Matt Mazio, of course, has no trouble believing it. He's seen that future happen to people just like me, men and women in apartments they can't really afford with nothing but an idea. But when you haven't seen it for yourself, it's a lot harder to imagine than you'd think. I was facing a dilemma I just hadn't imagined. I thought the trick was going to be convincing people to sign on to my vision. I had no idea that investors would counteroffer their own visions and try to convince me to sign on with them. The problem is I can't really trust my gut. Lots of big companies out there started off as one thing and then became something else. Groupon started as a social activism site. Flickr was originally an online game. Twitter, no lie, Twitter started as a podcasting company. This is the choice I'm facing now, and I'll probably continue to face. How true should I stay to the original vision? How much should I alter it at the suggestion of powerful investors who've seen a lot more companies succeed and fail than I have? I understand why someone like Matt is saying what he's saying. The data say I'll probably fail anyway, so better to urge me in a tech and platform direction, where the upside is greater if I do manage to succeed. I'd be doing the same thing if I were him. What I don't know is what I should be doing if I were me. Coming up, scenes from the next episode of Startup. But first, a word from our sponsors. Coming up on the next episode of Startup, I decide I can't do it alone, and I bring on a partner in the business, which is a surprisingly emotional conversation. So the final thing to discuss, uh, which we had put on the agenda for last time, you have come up (laughs) in a couple of conversations, and I've wanted to use the word business partner. Mm. Um, So... uh, is this how this always, is it always so like relationship analogy in these well, conversations, do you think? It is a relation. It is yeah. a marriage of sorts. Yeah. To hear new episodes of Startup, go to hearstartup.com. That's H-E-A-R startup.com. All one word. It was designed in partnership with Athletics. When you're starting a business, most things move way slower than you want. The team at Athletics, they move fast. Hearstartup.com. There's links there to iTunes, SoundCloud, and our Facebook page. 
Music on our show today was by Tyler Strickland. Our theme song was written and performed by Mark Phillips. He also mixed the show. Special ad music was written by Build Buildings. Links to all these artists can be found on our website, hearstartup.com. I'm Alex Bloomberg. You can follow me on Twitter at ABEXLumberg. Talk to you soon on the next episode of Startup. Startup.